you will hear it stated people pay very close attention to a man's last words uh, because as they near death, uh, they, they tend to be a little more focused. Um, that's what I want to look at today. Uh, the last letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote, he was in the Mamatine prison um, preparing to actually have his head removed. And uh, uh, this is his last letter. It's to a young man named Timothy. And he is expressing to Timothy the task that is at hand. But I, I believe that sometimes we read through this and we miss what is being said. And I thought appropriate to deal with it on Resurrection Sunday. Let's read the word of the Lord and ask for his strength and teaching. Second Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 10. Don't panic. Everybody's like, we're going to do 10 verses on one day. That's why we're not meeting tonight. We'll be closing her up tonight. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active duty entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive the, his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything." Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffered hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not in prison. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. Father, help us to have ears to hear as we celebrate this miraculous event. And Father, I look at the Apostle Paul here, longing and understanding and steadfast in Christ Jesus. That Father, we who are gathered today in your name would have that same focus. And Father, as we look at this and as we think about the empty tomb, Lord, please, please help us to understand its power and the full ramifications of its meaning and what it has given unto the people of God. We love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. When I think about the resurrection, it's really kind of amazing because um, some of you I shared with and you, you know, sort of, um, I guess you want to call it my testimony or whatever. But it was about 20, 26 or 7 years ago. Um, I'm sure that none of you have ever been mad at God. Um, but about 27 or 28 years ago, I got mad at God. Uh, I would highly recommend don't do that. But um, I, I did. And so what I concluded was, I will take his Bible and I will find contradictions in it. And then I can put this thing to rest. And I tell everybody that for almost 30 years now, I'm looking for the contradictions. And I haven't given up yet. I shall continue to seek. <laughs> okay. What was amazing is I thought if you're going to find error in Scripture, go to the easiest place. Okay. The resurrection. That ought to be as, about as simple as you can get. I mean, it's not like people get up from the grave on a regular basis. Uh, so, you know, this should be very simple to disprove Scripture by looking at the resurrection. And what I found was, is that um, God actually used his enemies to prove the resurrection, which... 
is kind of odd. And what I also learned was, is that he had 12 disciples. Okay. And if you really watch it, the 12 of them in the gospel record, (laughs) you just got to say, what was God thinking getting those guys? Okay. Because, you know, it, it just, you know, talk about a motley crew. Uh, but I mean, they almost make the three stooges look brilliant. Okay. And, and so you look at these guys and, and you think about them and they're wanting to be on the right and the left hand of the king. Uh, you know, they're, they're gonna, I'll never deny you, but I will forsake you. And, and, uh, you know, and then, and I mean, you just go through it and you sit there and go, what a bunch of clowns. Okay, I mean, there surely had, you know, the centurion had more faith than this whole bunch together. Get him to help you. It's not God's plan. But you know something that was amazing to me? These guys, for lack of a better term, were not the most trustworthy guys that you could put stock into. All right. I I mean, you know, we talk about it that one betrayed him. Okay. One denied him. Oh, where was the other 10? Poof. I mean, if you really look at the cross, who was there? Bunch of women. Okay. He revealed himself from the grave to who? To a woman. Okay. And of course the men look crazy. Woman thinks she's seen him walking around. Okay. But when I think about it. After his resurrection. You know what the greatest thing that sold me the truth of the resurrection. The greatest thing. The thing that hit me the most. Is that those guys. Were willing to face death. After the resurrection. Now you think about that. They wouldn't fight for him. They wouldn't even admit that they were with him. When he was alive. But when he died. And then rose again. Those guys said you can kill us. You can kill us. Same thing. That you see here with. Our dear brother. Paul. And he's so moved by this that he is issuing directives to this young man, Timothy. And the key to it all. Listen, I want you to understand something. The key to it all. To every one of you. Every Christian that has ever been. And every Christian that shall ever be. And every Christian that is today is verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. You've got to hang right there, people. You've got to hang right there. Because, and if you look at your outline, you will see that there is the fact of the resurrection, there is the force of the resurrection, and there is the faith of the resurrection. And it's all coming off of that verse 8. This man's in prison preparing to die. He's awaiting his sentencing. And yet nothing is moving him. He starts out the chapter with what? Stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Why? Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. And then think about that for a second. You... you I, there's times that I, I listen to this holiday and, and you get inundated as a pastor with insights into the Passion Week. And you, I mean, please read your Bible, people, before you email me something stupid. Okay? I mean, nothing personal. You know what the big question is right now that everyone's going around the Internet? What did he do on Saturday? He went bowling. Everybody knows that. 
And then I listened to these men with little uh, letters behind their names explaining what Jesus did on Saturday in the grave. And I'm sitting there and they're all concluded he went to hell. Okay, and he went down there and he suffered for 24 hours and and then he came out of the grave. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, then he lied to the thief on the cross. I do not put paradise and hell together. Today you will be with me in paradise. Okay, well, but it says he preached life to the captives and to the dead. Oh, did you not read the part where it says the graves opened up? People stepped out and started walking around. Listen, where did he go? Paradise. Where's that at? Well, it ain't hell. But I can't believe it. You've got all of these experts. Well, he was in hell. Really? No, he wasn't. He didn't say, thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in hell. But tomorrow we'll go to paradise. Not any what he said. I, I sit there and I go, people, whatever. But this is a common teaching. Very common teaching. Roman Catholics have been doing it for centuries. That he went and took up some torment time on Saturday. Okay? Listen. That ain't what happened. That ain't what happened. He didn't go to hell. The penalty was paid. When he was hanging on the cross, what was his words? It is finished. After I go to hell. No. He ain't going there. He ain't going there. So we wanted to think about this. And I want you to think about the fact of the resurrection, the force of the resurrection, and the faith of the resurrection. And it's crucial that we do. You cannot read the New Testament without understanding the passion of that week and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, in the Gospels, we have the redemptive event. The reconciliation event is the Gospels. Okay? Then Acts, we have the redemptive experience. This is the experience the reconciliation of Gentile and Jew to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then in the epistles, we have reconciliation of the explaining of the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does it mean to us? All right. And, and when I, when I think about this and I read this letter, especially second Timothy, when I think about this, Paul is writing this last letter And he's facing martyrdom. He's preparing to die. He knows that it is almost over. And he says, I know I'm going to die, but remember Christ Jesus, the seed of David, the descendant of David. And he's he's exhorting the reader to put all the stuff away. Think about this. Think about this. In other words, whatever may come, Jesus is alive. Okay? That fact alone guarantees endurance all the way to our hour of death. He's alive. Paul is telling Timothy, this is the ultimate message. This is my gospel this is our gospel people he is alive he was raised from the dead listen it is not a spiritual thing there is no body it is a bodily literal resurrection if we had a body it would have a church on it i've been there they've got churches on everything Anything that ever happened in Israel at the time of Christ, somebody built a church. And then the Orthodox built one right beside it because they believe they're right. You think I'm kidding you. (laughs) It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Okay? But that's what they do. That's what they do. That's what we do as humans. We worship. And if we had his body, we would have a temple on it. 
but he ain't there. And yet I listen to people telling me what he's doing. And, you know, and they act like he had, it's a spiritual release. It's not a spiritual release. It's a physical release. Remember what he told Thomas? See here, my hands inside. What does he say? Touch him. Touch him. Well, I'm not a spirit. Touch it. He said, I'm eat. In his spirit. Okay. We are to remember the fact of the resurrection. And, and, and I think there's times that we forget. We have this holiday that we kind of jump on and we kind of leave it at that. I want to take it back because you, you have to understand it. The fact of the resurrection is this. There's prophetic evidence. Okay, it was prophesied. It was told that it was coming. And it goes back a ways. You can take it all the way back to, well, farther than that. But anyway, if I go back to Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13. For when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendants after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, who's he talking to there? David. Samuel is talking to David. Okay? And as he talks to David, he's saying, you know what? He's going to have an eternal kingdom. Oh, David, it will be after you die. Okay? You can chase it on over. Psalm 89. Verse 28. Well, actually, most of this psalm, I'll I'll pick it up in verse 20. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him. With whom my hand will establish, my arm will also strengthen him. The enemy will not deceive him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. But I shall crush his adversaries before him and strike those who hate him. My faithfulness and my loving kindness will be with him. And in my name, his horn shall be exalted. I shall also set his hand on the sea and his right hand to the rivers. He will cry to me. You are my father, my God and the rock of my salvation. I also shall make him my firstborn, the highest of kings of earth. My loving kindness will keep him forever, and my covenant shall be confirmed to him. So I will establish his descendants forever and his throne as the days of heaven. Okay? That's pretty serious stuff right there now. Eternal throne. Okay? He is descendant of David. Who is the ruling family? David. The root of Jesse. The lion of the tribe of Judah. You go on over to Psalm 132, beginning at verse 13 and following. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her needy with bread, her priest also I will clothe with salvation, and her godly ones will sing aloud for joy. There I will cause the horn of David to spring forth, and I have prepared a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will be clothed with shame, and upon him his crown shall shine. It's really pretty straightforward if you think about it. Remember what Paul said to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4? Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried and He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. So when I think about the resurrection, it's easy for me to say, you know what? There are prophetic evidence of this and it is cast throughout. And the Apostle Paul understood this and was vehement about it. That's why you take the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. A lot of people will be preaching that today. And it is not a spiritual resurrection. It is a bodily resurrection. 
Okay, so I have the prophetic evidence. The scripture has told me this will happen. But I also have historical evidence. What does he say here in verse 8 of chapter 2 of 2 Timothy? Remember Christ Jesus. What? Risen from the dead. Risen. You know what that means? Past tense. He has already done it. What we looked at in the Old Testament was an upcoming event. This is a past event. And the Apostle Paul in prison is saying, remember, this is my gospel. Four gospels are united in their testimony that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. They all four. You only have to read the closing chapters of each of these evangelists to see it that is documented. You have witnesses, multiple witnesses. You have enemy witnesses. You have those who believe witnesses. His brother, James, did not believe he was Messiah during his life. Oh, why did he start believing? My brother got up from the grave. (laughs) That moves you. He was the first pastor. He was the pastor in Jerusalem. In the Acts, you see the apostles unite their testimony on the resurrection. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. So I have historical evidence. Okay? Historical. But there's also a dynamic evidence. Back to our text. Remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, descended of David, according to my gospel. Paul was not only concerned about the event as it had occurred at a point in time, but also the evidence of the risen Christ life in his own experience. He lived his life in the power of the resurrection. Why? Listen, if God raised him from the dead... And you are his. Guess what? You have just stepped into immortality. No, 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 no. Right now. That's why Paul wouldn't shut up. What are you going to do? Kill me? Really? I, you can read some legal documentation from the Roman government at the time of, of the apostles' lives where they were befuddled because these Christians believed that if they lost their lives, it was a reward. How do I threaten somebody with death when they're looking for it? I'm going to kill you. Great. And yet, think about it. Oh, death, where is your sting? Satan's greatest tool on humanity right now is what? Death. We freak out over it. Paul says, I don't care. Jesus' tomb is empty and I'm his. What can sway us? That's amazing. <laughs> right on. Second thing, second point. Have we considered the force of the resurrection? Uh, the the shroud of Turin has showed back up with all of its whatever. Um, <laughs> if you go down to the chapel at the Air Force Academy, they've got a three dimensional some kind of radar imaging something or other thing that they did to it. It's kind of cool to look at, but. I thought he was taller. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I mean, it's, I, I get a, it's, it's the Passion Week, so you get all the information that you never, ever wanted. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're just getting to the point. Normally, I'm curious about my emails because, you know, I get some, some stuff from the 
the Russians and from Pastor Philip in India and Pastor Paul and all the rest of that. So every once in a while I get excited about him. Here this last week, man, I don't want to open this thing because <laughs> here we go. <laughs> all the experts have come out of the rocks. The force of the resurrection. Remember Jesus Christ, the seed of David, as raised from the dead, according to my gospel. This is a... Um, if you think about this, this is kind of odd. You, you, you hear people talking about the letter to the Philippians is a book of joy. Uh, I would highly suggest you read it again. Okay. Um, because at the writing of that letter, he's chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day in jail. Okay. Um, he thought that was kind of cool. All right. Here he's in the Mamertine prison. Let me explain to you the Mamertine prison. There are holes in the ground. Okay, made out of stone, and they're all laced together. And on the one side is a door, a wood door, and it's curved, it's, it's circular. Okay, uh, that's it. There is no bed, there's no bathroom. There was a hole in the middle of the floor for your bathroom. Okay, uh, and you were just in this dank hole. But what would happen is, is if, if the Roman courts got too backed up that they couldn't keep a flow of what was going on, uh, with sentencing these people. Um, they could make jail space by sliding this wood door open, and the wood door opened directly to the sewer of Rome. And basically, because it's a circular, when they slid this door out of the way, it would become a toilet. And it would swirl, okay, and flush the humans out of it, and then they could slide the door back, the water would seep through the rocks, and then they could fill it up with humans again. That's where Paul's at. When he's writing this letter, he's dictating it through the hole in the roof that they lowered him into the cell to. Somebody's writing this so they can get it to Timothy. And yet he says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. Okay. The force of the resurrection. Think about what he's doing. He starts out, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How can I be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus when I'm in this toilet bowl? Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David. This is my gospel. We as Christians, we have the power to stand for Christ because of the resurrection. What are you going to do? Kill us? And I mean, well, well, they could put you in jail. But then you have a captive audience to preach the gospel. Right? So you see how Paul's, you start looking at the over-encompassing of the resurrection. Do you realize you have just stepped into invincibility? You can't lose. And it doesn't matter where you're at, what you're doing, what you're enduring. Look what he says. Things you have heard in me in the presence of many witnesses and trusted these to entrust these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. You know what that is? Discipleship. How do you do discipleship? Because of the power of the resurrection. We can stand. As Christians, we are engaged in a battle. We are engaged in a battle with the world. I've had some conversations with some of you in the in, in this congregation that you have co-workers who are blaspheming God. And, and it troubles you. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, but guess what? One of these days, they're going to seem too. And you can sit there. And, Did you remember when you said... <laughs> That's going to be a burden. (laughs) 
That's how I do it. You don't have to do it that way. It says, endure the hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When my son was home on leave, he said, Dad, out there in Afghanistan in the, in the boonies, he says, There's, you just walk around in fields. People like to take pot shots at you. He says, but what he's learned is, is that life is not complicated there. He says, you don't worry about whether you got clean clothes or not. You don't worry about what you're going to wear. Okay, um, you've got usually your food with you or there's going to be something back there when you get back. And he says, it's just so simple. Okay, think about what we do. We keep it simple, don't we? The thing is, is that if you look at the military, you understand, you've heard it says GI, government issued Joe. Okay, and you're not your own anymore. All right. Okay, do you understand the same holds true to a Christian? You're not your own anymore. You're God issued. And now you have to understand, they want you need to be in shape and ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. A worker diligent, rightly dividing truth. Why? Because I want the world to know. I want the world to know that Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended of David, is my gospel. Endure the the hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And it literally, what it means is to take your share of the suffering. That's the literal Greek phrase right there. Take your share of the suffering. Woohoo! Sign me up for the ministry. But you can do that because of the resurrection. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 says, And having done all to stand. That should be our crux. That should be our focus. That should be the focus of our energies, our thinkings, our purposes. And yet, look at what we clutter it with. The armor and the weapons which God supplies make no provision. Do you understand? You you ever read the... uh, Spiritual armor, letter to the Ephesians. You know what's amazing about all that? That nobody ever pays attention to? Okay, I, I guess, you know, I, I grew up in the military, so I never thought about it. But the armor and the weapons God supplies have no provision for retreat or defeat. You hear people say, what's the exit strategy? I'm not. Okay. I remember the first time I ever heard of this. It is a church retreat. I ain't retreating. Dude, I worked too hard to just get here. But we do that. There's times, well, I'm just going to take, no. You know, um, if you are involved in the stock market and you're trying to plan on your retirement and all the rest of it, uh, you're probably, well, I don't know, it's going up in it a little bit. Anyway, uh, so everybody's kind of doing a little better. You know what my retirement is? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And yet I watch Christian after Christian after Christian. They reach a certain age, they vanish. Where are they? Well, I'm going to be an evangelist. I'll give me a motorhome. Drive south in the winter. North in the summer. Maybe I can get some water buffalo saved. Who knows? And I'm sitting there going, you know what? You have more time now for the bride of Christ than you ever have. Why are you leaving? We must remember, as Romans 8.37 says, we are more than... 
conquerors through him that loved us. Okay, that's good stuff, people. We also have the power to strive for Christ. Back to our text, 2.5. If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Okay. If we're going to strive for this, we're going to run a race. Okay. Um, I wish it was a sprint. But it's not. It's a race of endurance. And we have the power to run this. Okay. Paul is pointing out that for a, 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 a racer, an athlete to qualify, he must also at least run. So you qualify. If you get into the race, are you running just because you want a place? Or are you running because you want to win? We have to run according to the rules. Did you hear the guy this year in the New York Marathon who set a brand new world record time and they realized that he cut off about nine blocks? That's sort of like me saying, I'll run the marathon as long as I can do it on my motorcycle. Okay, but I'll give you a head start. Okay, so the challenge is not only to have the devotion, as in the case of a soldier, but there has to be a wholehearted obedience to the rules of the game. You can't run God's race your way. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? What you have begun in the spirit, you are now perfecting in the flesh. How many of us do that? Intentions is honorable. That's sweet of you. It's foolish. But it's sweet. We have the power to serve Christ. Verse 6. The farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Christians, we have a job to do. Okay? Some plant, some water, some harvest. You will do none of them if you're not committed and content with where God's got you. The farmer must dig the ground, sow the seed, water the earth, prune the trees. But ultimately, if you look at a farmer, is it not the best picture of an exercised faith that exists? And he puts in a lot of work. But if God don't give the harvest, you just got a bunch of dirt. And you're less you're me. I mean, I can kill artificial flowers. I'm good. We must show our faithfulness and our service to the Lord. Only then will we bear fruit that glorifies God. What's John 15, 1 through 8 says? God is the vine dresser jesus is the vine he prunes off and casts into the fire the branches that does not bear fruit so that the true vine will bear much fruit so you have to exercise your faith yeah i'm grafted in as romans tells me i have been grafted into the vine absolutely but he will prune us to get rid of the stuff they call them sucker branches Okay, they don't bear fruit. They just take up energy. I know some Christians who are like that. They don't bear fruit. They just take up energy. All right. And the reason is, is that they are not really dwelling on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the force that is behind it. But lastly, we are to deliver this faith of the resurrection. When, when I speak the word faith, uh, you know, I, there are people who have known me in my past and they'll say, well, I hear you're a man of faith now. And uh, that's all right. But you know what? I, I gotta, I'll be honest with you. I've never met anybody who doesn't have faith in something. 
I mean, it, it can be, it takes faith to drive down the road saying that that line right there is going to keep that car from coming over here and hitting me. That's faith. Uh, go flip on a light switch. Okay, you have faith that, dude, look, light. You know where it came from? Electricity. You know what's cool about electricity? It's all theory. <laughs> but you know what? I've watched that theory when you short it. That ain't a theory. <laughs> look, matter is melting. <laughs> well, it is. I seen a guy take a, one of them, you ever seen them big screwdrivers you can hook a wrench on? And he stuck it into a place he shouldn't have. And he came out and he had a pick <laughs> about that long. <laughs> and you're like, wow. So, and he was the master electrician on the job. And I'm like, I'll make a note. Don't do that. <laughs> or if you are, make sure you're borrowing somebody's screwdriver. <laughs> but we, I've never met anybody who doesn't have faith. Then what happens is your faith gets put to the test. You don't believe me? Think about the line in the road. Ride a motorcycle and watch. You'll get tested. Guaranteed. There's not a day I ride that somebody doesn't... How you doing there, buddy? Okay? And I just smile at him and say, You are so thankful I'm saved. <laughs> but we have to have... And it is, do I put faith in this? Remember Christ Jesus, seed of David... Descendant of David, raised from the dead, according to my gospel. Look what he says after that. I, for which I have suffered even imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. I have never gone to jail for the gospel. Never have. I got a question in Moscow once. Show me your papers. But uh, they didn't take me to jail. They just show me your papers. But look what he says. For this reason. What's the reason? Verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen. So that they also may obtain the salvation for which Christ Jesus with every eternal glory. If I understand the fact of the resurrection, that it was historical and prophetic, if I understand the force of the resurrection and, and, and its power that is there, how can I be silent about my faith in the resurrection? Paul is telling us in these verses is because the Lord Jesus is a living reality to him. Paul is prepared and was prepared to preach the gospel, whatever the cost, wherever the call. This is what he wanted Timothy to do. He's handed it over to Timothy. You're next, boy. Whatever the cost, verse 9, I suffer hardship, imprisonment as a criminal. Evildoers, even to the point of bonding and putting me in bondage. But the word of God's not imprisoned, it's not bound. Paul takes pains here that we need to understand. He points out that in the course of preaching, this gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He is going to be accused of being an evildoer. We've been looking over the last few weeks on integrity of ministry. You will be accused. You're preaching this gospel. And you know what? There's a possibility you can suffer punishment unjustly. But I will ask you this. What crime did Jesus commit? No crime. And they crucified him. So you think you should be touted as a hero? 
carried out on the shoulders of cheering fans? I don't think so. This message of the risen Lord is to suffer persecution with Him also. Look at 11 and 12. It's a trustworthy statement. For if we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endured, we will also what? Reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If you try to compromise this thing, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You're going to get yourself in trouble because the people who, they like to use cute terms now. You know, I'm just a stealthy Christian. What does that mean? Okay. That means you will not speak of Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended of David. Oh, did I tell you? That's your gospel. I hear people tell me I'm not going to go to church because it's just full of hypocrites. Actually, the planet Earth is full of hypocrites. And some go to church. But I ask him the same question over and over. Then what do you do with the Lord's table? What? Where do you partake of the Lord's table? Well, I don't. Oh, so you don't proclaim his death until he returns. Because that's what the Lord's table is for. Really? And it is obvious that there are huge numbers who think that Easter is the berries. It is wonderful. But you know what? It is obvious they're not looking at the fact of the resurrection. They're definitely not looking at the fourth of the resurrection. And I know they have no faith in the resurrection. If they've got no faith in the resurrection, then what was it that they've got? Paul says, I endure all things for the chosen's sake that they may obtain salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. God is still calling people out for His His purposes, His name. We have this power, we have this ability, and it is even here, even now. The word there that you see, chosen, I know you're not going to like this, but get over it. The ordained and deterred into eternal life. The ordained into eternal life. And this is what Paul is trying to remind all of us in this verse. He talks about the elect who have yet to obtain salvation. You know what's amazing out there? When the fullness of the Gentiles is reached, the church will be snatched up from the planet Earth. Okay? That means out there someplace there is a limited number of Gentiles left. We preach our gospel. What? Jesus Christ risen from the dead. You know, Buddha never got up again. Gandhi never got up again. Confucius never got up again. Do you see what I'm trying to get at here? Moses never got up again. But Jesus did. All right? And that messes with people. Big time. They try to rationalize it. When you think about the, the finite number of Gentiles out there, what's it going to be like to share the gospel with that person, that last one, and then all of a sudden you're all up in the clouds? <laughs> Freak me out. Was it like this for everybody? Nope. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> but I know where you are on the list. <laughs> You know, you're the last one in the Lamb Book of Life, huh? (laughs) 
Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, we are to preach the gospel to every creature. Listen, I, I, I want to try to make this as, as simple as I can. The Apostle Paul is preparing to die here in this text. He's trying to encourage all of us who would ever suffer hardship for the Lord Jesus Christ that the key here is his resurrection. Okay, And the truth of the matter is, if you're really honest with yourself, I've heard people say, well, you know, Christmas and Easter are really important. Well, I can live without Christmas. But if he don't get out of the grave, we've all got a serious problem. Because it was a virgin birth. They said that Alexander the Great was virgin born. Give me a break. That story's been going around for a long time. Now, I do know that Jesus Christ was virgin born. But I do know this. Alexander the Great's still in the tomb. Okay? Jesus is not in the tomb. Which means that God says, yes, that pays the penalty. I accept that. And I prove to you that I accept it because I'll raise him from the dead. That's awesome. That ought to be enough for every Christian everywhere for their entire life to be on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, to suffer as a soldier, to have the faith of a farmer, and to run as an athlete. Because I can stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus because the tomb is empty. That's what Easter is. Okay. Jesus is alive. We must see this. This is the force that we must seek. And this is the faith that we must share. May God enable us to enter into the true meaning of what it is, the life in Christ. Let's pray. Father, to your glory and praise, we celebrate this resurrection day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power to proclaim it. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice of your son on behalf of sinful man. Lord, may we understand that the tomb is empty. May that overwhelm us and understand that it is true, that, Father, it is our message And that, Father, the power of the resurrection is the way that Christians endure. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.